You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 109. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. So many moms returning to work have asked me how to get hired in a job that pays well, but also allows them to be the mom they want to be. And I've seen so many make the mistake of taking a job teaching English at 3 a.m. for $15 an hour. And that's just backwards because your skills are highly valuable. And so is your time. That's why I've put together this high value free training to help you jumpstart your tech career by learning about the field of UX design so you don't waste time in one more side hustle that isn't a career and doesn't give you the flexibility and income your family needs. I only offer this training twice a year and it's available right now at the release of this podcast episode. So sign up now for this helpful and interactive free training, three strategies to jumpstart your UX design career. Sign up at youartechie.com slash UX. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E. T-E-C-H-Y dot com slash U-X. I'll see you there. Hello and welcome. Excited to be with you here today. Let's talk about U-X inspiration. Okay, this is super fun. I'm going to take this in a couple different directions. The first thing is, are you inspired by U-X? Are you drawn to U-X? Is that something that you want to spend time doing? And then also we're going to talk about how to actually generate and create inspiration so you can execute on UX. If you're totally confused, just stick with me. It'll all make sense. So the first part about UX that inspired me, that drew me to UX was being a new person. (laughs) Like, what does that mean? Okay. So if you know my story at all, you know we've moved. Darn it, I should have counted. I don't know, eight times or something. And I make the joke, we're not running from the law. I've been asked if we're in the military many times. We are not. And we've lived in like one, two, three, four, five states, but multiple houses in some of those states. And we've had like tons of jobs. And then, you know, we have like tons of babies. So what that means is I have been exposed to many new environments. And for some of you listening, you're like, I would die. That it would never happen. Like my dad literally thought there was something wrong. He's like, it's crazy. He had the same job for pretty much his entire life and lived in the same house his entire life. And that was just, that was his jam. And I like trying new things. I love traveling. I love new environments. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come with this sort of pain involved, okay? Sometimes when you're new to a place, you have to always, you have to figure out the culture and and the way things work. But what happened is, This one specific story, I think, illustrates it really well. I had the little kids, so I think I just had three at the time. (laughs) And maybe I was pregnant with my fourth or, or he was being born. No, I definitely only had the three. And we had joined a new parish and there was a mom's club. And the mom's club was just like, get your little kids together, get in the house, get out of the house, I mean, and we would meet at the parish center. And this was in Illinois, so you really had to get out of the house in the winter because you would kind of be stuck there. So we had this mom's club. And before, when I first started and I went to the campus, it wasn't like the campus was so big. But when you're a mom of little kids and 
you aren't always sleeping well and like getting out the door so hard. And then you get to the place you're supposed to be and you don't know what door to go in. You don't know what building. You're confused because you've never been there. There was a lot of pain associated with that for me. So I ended up partnering up with a buddy and we ended up running the mom's club from the perspective of someone who was new. And you know, that was, it was such a service that they were doing that now that I look back, I was so angry. Why aren't you making this easy for me? I have little kids. It's so hard. I remember that we had signs out. We would describe where we were going to be. We would open the doors. We tried to do all the things to really make new people feel welcome. But I know that's just one example of the pain that I felt as a new person in different environments that helped draw me to UX. It kind of, I took those real world experiences, you know, the IRL, my kids hate it when I say that. (laughs) And when you take those real world experiences and then using my technology background and experience, applied that to technology, really coming to it to say, and I think that this is a pretty standard statement that I would be very surprised if there's a UX designer out there or a PM who really doesn't agree with this statement. When you design for someone who has never used your app, for someone who is brand new, you're always going to come from a more empathetic place and you're going to have a better design. So one of the first things that inspired me to UX was putting myself in the persona of someone who is new. And I'm not just talking about an onboarding sequence to show people your app, which honestly was not a thing when I started in technology. So that's a good thing to have these onboarding screens and we'll walk people through, hey, you want me to walk you through the app? That's a great idea, but that's not the only thing that I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone who has never used your app. You want it to feel intuitive for them. You want it to feel this sense of ease. And while that's not possible on every app or SaaS, it is something to strive for, to make your UX something where even when it's new, I can use it. And so many of us can relate to this. And I'm going to talk a little bit about if you're so if you're thinking about times where you've tried to use an app that may be coming up for you right now or a SaaS and you're like, this is horrible. I don't get it at all. I teach my students to say it wasn't designed for me, but sometimes it's just bad design. <laughs> sometimes it's not that it wasn't designed for you. It wasn't designed correctly. It wasn't designed well. It's not good design. Now, good design is a feeling. So it's subjective, but it's not entirely subjective. Bad design, a lot of people can agree on. A lot of people can agree like this is bad design. Good design requires saying no, like putting a literal boundary in your technology. You're not going to convince me that if we shove everything into our software, we're going to end up with a better product. Oh, it does everything. Well, that's not focusing. And requiring edges, putting edges in, saying no, doing less, staying focused, that requires so much more thought because it requires thinking about exactly what you want the experience to feel like than you can possibly imagine at the beginning of your design. All right, so let's take it back to this place of you're new in an app. Or maybe you've even used it a few times and you're super frustrated and you think if you've ever had the thought, I'm not techie or I'm not good at this, or you've been listening to me for a while and you're thinking, I know this wasn't designed for me. I'm super frustrated by how annoyed it is. (laughs) Let me tell you how to redo 
your software. Now, if you're thinking that, you're not alone. I have definitely, <laughs> my students and I, have we've bonded over this. I've sent things to people like, you just did not design this correctly. They were not very receptive to that idea. I don't recommend it. <laughs> and some of my students are like, I'm just going to fix their app for them. I don't recommend you do that unless they're paying you. But if you've had that frustration, I want you to hold on to that. That frustration can be an inspiration that could be drawing you to UX. Now, that frustration doesn't make you a UX designer. Much like watching a detective show doesn't make you a detective or law enforcement. It's not the same thing, right? To to watch, I can't even say it without laughing. It's not the same thing to watch a detective show. I used to love Law and Order. My grandma and I love Law and Order. And it's not the same thing to watch that and then to think I'm going to be in law enforcement. But it is an inkling. It is an inkling. And if you're really frustrated by an app and you think I could design this better, that is an inkling. It might be the UX string pulling at your heart saying, hey, you can do this. Now, you aren't going to know how to design it at the beginning when you're just like frustrated and it's just bothering you, but you are getting this tug that's saying, I think I could be part of the solution. So I want you to listen to that feeling. And as you do, I want to walk you through my own UX inspiration process. And it's really just a creative process. I'm going to share with you how I apply this to multiple different creative pursuits. I was able to create this process for myself from my UX work. And then I want you to consider your own creative process. And if you don't have one yet, you can try mine and then change it and tweak it to fit you and to fit the mold that works for you. One of the reasons I want to take you through this is that I sometimes hear students say, or even my students in the program who have been doing this a while, they're still very insecure about their visual design skills. And it's very funny. We really identify as this. So my students who have previous visual experience and see themselves as a great visual designer don't struggle with this. But people who are new to UX design, they think, well, I'm, I don't know if I, my house really isn't as well decorated as my neighbors, or, you know, I don't know if visual aesthetics are my forte. I want you to observe this creative process that I'm going to take you through because UX is really about solving problems. And I'm not saying that there isn't a visual component, but as you dive deeper into solving the problem for your user, the visual cues and visual ideas just come forth. It doesn't, you don't have to be an artist to be a UX designer. It really isn't necessary. Oftentimes, someone else is specifically creating some of the visual elements and the elements you're creating have more to do with ensuring that the user has a seamless process and that the experience is created well. And that comes from practice, not really from in this intuitive sense of I'm an amazing artist. So the thing about my creative process, <laughs> I have to laugh because, you know, my kids make fun of me for always wanting to be efficient. I love efficiency. So I have a very efficient creative process because I can't stand that space between I want to produce something creative and I need to like get into the zone. I want that process to be sped up very quickly. So it's a very efficient creative process. So don't be surprised if yours is not quite as efficient. But I do think that having a process works really well. I know that 
And I can't think of who to attribute this to. I need to think who that is. But on Tim Ferriss, he always quotes someone who says, two crappy pages, two crappy pages per day. It's a woman who's a writer. And so really prolific writers, which is a very creative process, they just they create the opportunity for the creativity. They don't wait for it to strike them. And that that's a real differential from what we kind of grew up learning. Oh, it just struck, it just strikes me. Well, things strike you when you're thinking about them. Okay. So let's talk about my efficient creative process. And it is efficient, but it's really fun for me. It never feels rushed to me. It always feels just like just the right thing. Okay. So I have these systems in place to get into flow state. I like to write down one specific problem or even better, a question. But sometimes all I can do is write down the problem. And I tend to actually type that out in a draft email to myself. And I take my phone and I go outside on the trail behind our house. And I only think about that one problem. Now, I know my brain is going to stray. It's going to move away from that problem. It's going to want to think about other things. But I just redirect it back to that question. And it's kind of like this rule I have. Like, we're going out to the trail to think about this one problem. And I don't go on an aimlessly long walk. <laughs> we have a very short segment of trail behind our house. We can even cross the street and go further. But I'm only on that one segment and so I'm not wandering far from my house. I'm basically, it's, think about it like a long pace. I'm basically pacing back and forth, but it, in a leisurely way and outside. And I've got my phone. And when my brain strays, I just look at that one app and I look at that one question. Now, if you've got all of these, you know, if you've got all these notifications on your phone and all these different things, you can write it down in a journal and take it outside. And I will do that if I'm tired. The one thing I really want to emphasize is that it's so much easier to get into the creative space when you are well rested. And that's, I mean, I have an 11th month old, so I understand that we cannot spend every day completely well rested. It doesn't always work out that way. But I can tell you, being someone who just had a baby, I mean, she's 11 months, but she's just becoming a great sleeper. There's such a great differential between the ability to focus and create in one space versus another. So that's very front and center for me. Really want to emphasize that it's so much easier to focus on that one problem when we are well rested. Okay, another person who has another strategy on this is Marie Forleo. She calls it a onesie. She takes just a blank sheet of paper and writes down the one thing. She actually writes down the one thing she's doing like at her computer. But you can write down the one question you're focused on. What I don't like about the one sheet of paper, you'll hear the next part of my process, is that as I'm going through this problem and diving deeper into the problem, I am literally taking notes on ideas that come to me. And when you're coming up with inspiring ideas, you really want to feel inspired. And that doesn't just happen. So besides focusing on the problem, I ask questions to push myself deeper into the problem. Here are some questions that you can ask yourself, okay? Because you almost want to exaggerate how horrible the problem is for someone. Like, what if I were new trying to figure out this software? How awful would that be? I'd leave in like two seconds, okay? Here's another question. How can I go deeper than this first idea that I had? 
how can I go deeper? So I have a question, I come up with an idea, how can I go deeper? How can I go deeper? How else could I solve this problem? So you might be going deeper on the first idea, or you might need to go wide and go outside of that. How else could I solve this problem? Is this the absolute best solution for this pain? I kind of argue with myself in my brain. Are you, is that the best solution, really? And then what would make this solution even better? What would make this solution even better? And I like to go there when I like my answer. Once I really like it, we're trying to take this one problem and get even more distinctive and nuanced on it. So Tony Robbins defines intelligence as the ability, the quantity of distinctions. How many distinctions can we make? When you can make that many distinctions on one problem, you're really getting a solid solution being built that you can feel great about because you're, you've put your brain all around all the different pieces of the problem. So do you see how even if you don't see yourself as a super focused person, if you just go through this process, you're really going to be focused on this problem. It's not that hard for me if I'm well rested to not be distracted because I'm like, oh, okay, what? here's the pain. What, how else could I solve it? How else? What else could I look at? Okay, that's just the first and second part. So I really isolate the problem. I write it down and then I like to go outside and walk and think and take notes on the solution by asking those deeper questions. After that, and this is really funny, there will be a closed box moment for me where I'm like, okay, I've got it. I've really got a very good start to a solution. And then I'll just walk back into the house because like I said, I'm not that far from my house. I don't go a mile away. I always want to be near the house so I can come right back in. And then I go, and now I'm standing. So I isolate the problem, I'm walking, now I'm standing, and I flip chart out the solution. And that may be diagramming out a diagram, it may be a flow chart, it may be a picture, it may be an outline in words. I don't hesitate to write a lot of words down. And I'm going to be standing, flip charting on a blank wall. That's why I don't have that many decorations in my house. I need lots of blank walls for our flip charts. And then only once I feel like I've outlined it to the point where I've gotten all my points down or I write a point down and I cross it off, then I sit down and implement it. And if you're like, okay, well, what is implementing? Well, implementing with the UX process is usually going to Figma and putting it into a design. You know, maybe I have a flow sketched out or a piece of a wireframe or some component and then I'm sitting down to Figma and I'm actually putting the design elements in. And, but the thing is, this works for other creative pursuits. It could be a podcast that I'm typing out my podcast script. It could be that I'm putting a video together. It almost doesn't matter what the creative output is. I use the same process. Isolate the problem, write it down, walk and think deeply about it, including with those deeper dive questions and take notes. That's all step two. And then the third one is stand and diagram the outline. And then the fourth one is sit and implement. That's how I do it. Now, you might say, well, I have a standing desk. I stand when I implement. That's fine. But I like to think about it like walk, stand, sit. It just helps me understand the different pieces that I'm going through and when I'm ready to transition. Okay, now we talked about inefficiency. How long does this process take me? It takes about an hour. Now, I won't have a fully flushed out design at that point. I'll still have tweaks to do. I won't have the podcast recorded at that point. But the idea is there. Once the idea is there, you've kind of come over the creative component of it, and now you're just executing on it. And where you are in that process will depend on your creative process. I have a very wild imagination, so 
my creative ideas get solidified into vision very quickly. I don't have to implement that far to know like, yep, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of it. So that doesn't mean that my entire wireframe will be done in an hour. It will not. But the components will be and I will have made most of the decisions. And so it's about an hour process, but I do not time it like that. So sometimes I might have to think longer about it and then flip chart out less or vice versa. Maybe I don't have to think, oh, I I go out there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got it. This was holding me up. This is the problem. Then the flip chart will take me longer, whether it's a user flow, wireframe, what have you. I actually like to do flow charts on flip charts, my user flows. And then on a piece of paper is how I do my wireframes. I use markers for all of it. I love markers. I have used crayons. I think that colors promote creativity and just generate different ideas, but that may not be your process. You might say, no, in order to ensure I really have um, thought through all the steps of the user, I want to do black and white and only add color at the end. Maybe that's your process. So I encourage you to consider your own creative process. You've probably done creative things in the past and you know the different space that you're in. If you find this to be a hurdle for you, steal my process, implement it, and then do it a few times and then keep what works and change what doesn't. And if you're like, Ellen, I don't have a trail in the back of my house that is conveniently a short part of it, there are lots of things you could do, right? Listen to music or do some gentle exercises or yoga or stretching. Whatever your creative process is, I do think nature tends to help, but I also lived in the Midwest and it's January, so I know that's not the space I would be in in January in the Midwest, so I get it. I get it. But have alternatives for different weather and have those spaces that you can go to to really access your creative juices. And remember, if you're feeling like you're all over the place, you haven't isolated the specific problem enough. If you're feeling overwhelmed, you're probably trying to to tackle more than one problem. And that's very normal that the first problem you think about or write down is too big and you have to piece it together. I have found that to be very true in in technology. Oh, and I didn't even mention coding. I do consider coding a creative pursuit. I consider that like when you come up with solutions, this process works really well. Writing an algorithm, figuring out the different components. It's just that I would put pseudocode on those flip charts. That's what I would be doing with that. Although sometimes flowcharting out depending on the problem. So I absolutely think this works for programming and coding as well. But specifically, I'm talking about UX and UX inspiration. So again, finding inspiration in UX, finding inspiration from the frustration of using apps, finding inspiration from being a person who is new, and then also having UX inspiration, having that process come to fruition. So we're hitting it from a couple angles today. Okay, so a final word about UX inspiration If you are wondering what a UX designer does in the course of their work, this is a really micro version of what happens as you encounter challenges in the user. So this should give you some insights into what you're doing and to not all the pieces of the day, I've done that in other podcast episodes, but really in what your process can look like and how you can think through this creative process for yourself that results in great design and great user experiences. I know that's a hurdle for a lot of people who are new and they're thinking about UX. They're like, I don't even know if I could come up with them. Well, this is how you do it. You would go through this creative process and isolate and really think about the user and their pain and come up with different solutions. And you would learn that, hey, as I'm new, I come up with some solutions that are maybe creative and other people haven't used them, or maybe they've thought those through and and they're not going to be perfect. But this process will get you there faster. And that is the process that you're coming up with. 
And there really isn't any reason if you're passionate about this and you're finding, hey, I really think I want to do this. If you're feeling the pull, the strings of UX, there's no reason that you aren't able to do this. So I hope you enjoyed this. I love talking about UX inspiration. I love talking about great quality design. That's why I brought these ideas, this idea of concepts and user experience to moms, because we have a different lens. We are seeing things. We use technology that hasn't worked for us, and we get to have new and different opinions on it. And that's why I love doing an episode like this that really highlights your creativity. I'm helping to share my process with you, but the solutions that you come up with are going to be different. They're going to be different than mine. They're going to be different than a UX designer with 10 years of experience. And I think that's an interesting and beautiful thing. So I hope that this episode helped you find your own UX inspiration and for you to understand that you have UX inspiration in you, create great quality designs. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I will see you next time. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies training and never ending support to get hired. Sign up at youartechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y.com. I'll see you next time.